now. We are not manufacturing, we are not selling. But at least we have to help ourselves. We meet ourselves halfway. So that's what we have been doing. We have been helping them halfway just to keep them going till the uh, pandemic is over. So for now, we don't pay full salary to them. We are meeting them halfway just for them to survive. For how long this can be sustained, Nanakweku can't tell. What is obvious, they need support to survive this period. We've heard that they are, uh, they've got, they brought in some uh, measures that they are going to help their small-scale industries. I heard it on the radio and then on the TV. And they are here to launch it. So that's what we are also praying that will be factored into it. That uh, if there's any helping hand, they should also turn back and see those who work with the schools. Because other factories, are since the uh, lockdown has been lifted, other factories are, are working. But since we work with the school direct, we cannot work. Because schools are not open. So when you do the books, why are you going to sell it? So if financial support will come, we are begging the government to also put us into contingencies how we are going to be able to stand on our feet again because now we are down. Now though, with nothing much to do, the bookbinders are meeting to strategize the way forward. The whole thing is a nightmare. I must be honest, a nightmare. So we, we are pleading to the government that you come into our aid. When this small-scale uh, loan is being introduced, they should also turn back to us and help us more, at least to cushion us so we can stand on our feet. If nothing comes at all, it will be very difficult for us to work. Because I can tell you for a fact, somebody captures 1,000 Ghana. Somebody has 2,000 Ghana. The person has been in the house for two months now. You can imagine what has become of that money. It's gone. So you need something to start again. So it's like we are really down. Down as long as the schools are closed. Make a date at 5 p.m. on Business Live on the Joy Niche channel for the TV version. Now, remember that the Joy Business Van is brought to you by the EcoBank Express Point Agency Banking. Now, the EcoBank Express Point provides a unique type of agency banking that allows you to access banking services at selected shops across the country and enjoy EcoBank services after banking hours, including weekends and holidays. Locate an EcoBank Express Point nearest to you at selected show shops, pharmacies, grocery shops, ECG vendor points, and mobile money merchant shops and enjoy the following services. Open an instant EcoBank Express account, deposit and withdraw cash from your Express account, current accounts and savings accounts, redeem e-tokens and receive international remittances from Rapid Transfer, Western Union RIA, Vigo and from selected Express Point. EcoBank, the Pan-African Bank. That'll be all for the Joy Business Van. My name is Karen Dodu to enjoy the rest of our programs.
this, Morris, and I say keep on listening to Joe 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 Good afternoon to our cherished listeners once again. It's the 13th day of May 2020, officially the fifth month of the year, and we welcome you to yet another exciting edition of your favorite business development program on Radio Masterclass. It does certainly feel good to bring you today's edition. Masterclass is powered by Joy Business and brought to us by Goyle. Goyle, they say good energy. Goyle, Yenara, Yedia. And so today on Masterclass, we'll be continuing our discussion on what to do as a business in these times of COVID. Last week, we spent some time in the studio with Sebastian Yali. Sebastian, thank you for coming through. If you're listening, a very good afternoon to you as well. He did spend time with us talking to us about e-commerce, specifically in the area of e-commerce and how to use e-commerce as a business to leverage on what's going on now. Now that you're not allowed to be able to go around and gather in groups and all of that, that has definitely affected business from March this year through to now. Business has not exactly been the way it should for most people, right down from from corporates, right down to the spectrum of individual business owners and uh, sole proprietors and all of that. So how can you use e-commerce in the process? We spent some time sharing some thoughts and we also had some engagements from you, our listeners, sharing your experiences of how you have used the different channels and different options and different things available in terms of e-commerce. Some of you have used Momo, some of you have used ePay, some of you have used your POSs, and some of you have also used a combination of, of, of all of these. I think there were some concerns also about some section of the society which were not moving as fast as they should, if I can say that in terms of this digitization. But one thing I always say is that, listen, this thing is here to stay in terms of digitization. COVID has only sort of accelerated rated that process if you like and whether or not you change change will happen and so it's either you're a part of that change or you're not so as a nation as stakeholders as institutions the conversation really is how do we carry along as many people as possible today you've got kids having school on on screen you've got people having um, online classes submitting their assignments and all of that i'm sure your kids have also um experienced some of these things either they they do their assignments and submit them all through to university and so today we continue that conversation again as entrepreneurs as as businessmen we're concerned about our businesses because our businesses are a great part of who we are and what we do on a daily basis today we don't want to just talk about e-commerce but we want to open up the conversation 
and ask ourselves the broad question, how do I survive as a business? How do I survive as a business generally? We cannot exhaust that conversation in this show today. But of course, we want to touch on a few pointers. What are some of the notable things that we can talk about? And so you see that it's going to be a very big discussion. We'd like for you to also join us when we do get interactive so that you can share your thoughts because we can't talk about everything else. What are some of the things that as a business you are doing and is working for you when we open the phone lines, pick up that phone, share those thoughts with us? To help us with our conversation today, we have someone who's always a friend of the show, like I always like to put it. John Arma has been with us um, right from when we started the show. He likes to refer to as a serial entrepreneur and a business consultant. Um, he's spoken at various fora, giving advice on businesses, helping um, acquisitions, takeovers. If you want to do anything business, you want to talk macro, micro, economics, business, right down you know, from the top of the spectrum to the bottom of it, John is your man, and we are privileged to have John with us here in the studio. John, you're welcome to the show. Thank you very much, John. I'm, I'm excited to see you. <laughs> <laughs> same, same, same. Right, same, same, right. So, John, Today, I won't take much of the time. Right. I want you to talk to us. Right. Clearly, you will be able to touch on everything else, right. but as many salient and right. concise points right. as possible, right. which will speak to the spectrum of our audience, right, right down from um, the ordinary Joe who sells granites on the streets right. to the blue chip company who right. says, listen, I haven't, I've had to pay salaries for two months. Right. I've got no revenue streams coming in. I've had to realign my budget. Right. I've had to realign my strategy. Shareholders are screaming. I won't be able to pay dividend. What do I do? Now, before you, before you go into that conversation, um, you have been speaking quite a bit and making a bit of noise <laughs> in the business arena. So I did look you up a bit. And in June of 2019, you, you were interviewed by um, Nelly Moringo. Um, I'm sure you remember her. Nelly's a friend. <laughs> okay, Nelly Moringi. Nelly, good afternoon if you're listening to the show. Um, and thank you for the six questions that you asked John. Maybe we'll later when we do a feature on John Ama, we can ask the six questions again. But there was one question that Nelly asked you. Right. And I'll ask you that question. So in answering it, you sort of taper sure. into today's conversation sure. on how do I stay afloat sure. as a business. Sure. Nelly asked you this question. Tell us one of the toughest situations you have found yourself in as a business owner. <laughs> now, when I saw that uh, preparing for today, I right. thought that is the most profound question that is on the minds of every business owner right. today. Let me limit myself to Accra. Right. Today here in Accra, every business owner who's listening to this is having to answer this question. What is the toughest situation they have ever found themselves in? One of those I can be sure to count is this situation right now where there's COVID and productivity has gone down, oil prices across the world has gone down, more supply than demand, people are not selling as much as they should, revenue streams are challenged. You answered that question beautifully. I will not read what your answer was. I will give you the, the privilege of answering that question because you're here in the studio. But while you do that, then take the conversation away into what's happening today in the business arena and then prefer solutions if you like right. and then at some point we'll get interactive right. talk to us yeah thanks for the opportunity to be here again and um, it's an honor to address your listeners and i hope that in this interaction we can answer some of your questions if not all at least majority of them and thanks for the um sort of commendations and stuff that you keep giving uh, we'll continue to do our best in the country that question that was asked i remember nelly has a platform that reaches over ten thousand africans across the question was on my toughest uh, decision, and I said it was advice on a 10 million um, facility or a company that was indebted to the tune of 10 million and had its um, assets encumbered and also had very 
low margins on its uh, sales. And so the products that it was retailing also brought in low margins, and so you couldn't do really much with the company because where the loans were impaired, assets encumbered, you could not then use that to then you know borrow. So it was tricky. Do you get an outsider, outside investor to come and take over and then renegotiate? So we pursue settlements on the, the loans. Thankfully, we got that. And then we got some working capital as well to recapitalize the business. But what we did was to change the model and to do value addition on the lines in terms of what we were producing at the time. So because the other lines gave us other margins that were good. So luckily for us, the other side of the business was was good and so it was easier to but it's still been tough for that business and um at least they are better than they were what we also did was to diversify completely as we went along so now they are doing something else that that if and and i think that answer resonated a lot with many businesses because other companies are keeping different kind of books and so on but let's come to today's discussion that was just an aside by yeah today we are discussing how an entrepreneur can stay afloat in this economy and i'll start by sharing some 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 admonition with all of us because we're indeed not in good times so there's this popular preacher i listen to and he's one of my greatest assets every time in my car i play his tapes and he shared some things that i want to share with you before i go into the topic for today what i'll do is to look at it from the macro look at the micro i disagree the data in terms of the various business segments that we have in the country and then I, I present a picture of what we think you're facing on a sectoral basis and then give you practical solutions to how you can get out of it. So I'll start with the admonition. It says that in the economy of the kingdom, all blessings come from God. That in this kingdom, men, structures, systems, jobs, businesses, contracts are only conduits, vessels, not sources. So... For you out there, you know, depressed, not wondering what's happening with my business and so on and so forth. Look, while you may call on men and so on and so forth, this says that those men, structures and systems are just vessels, not sources. The fundamental spiritual understanding, jobs, investments are only vehicles, funnels. And there's only one God, Abba, who is our sustainer, protector, preserver. So if you place anyone above God... You won't get out of this crisis. You won't even find fulfillment in your life to, to defeat that mental instability now that you're thinking, what do I do? But if you place God first, you would, and I'll, I'll share something to you. It says, in this kingdom, we do not own things. Owners are rebels. Genesis 1 and 2. You may freely eat. It is not yours, but you may freely eat. Which means that we've been given custodial ownership of the things that we own on this world. So while you go about and you have, and those that don't have, Remember to do good in these times too, as the Bible commands us to so do. Now, if you read the parable of the prodigal son, he says, as he was partaking of the father's blessings, there was limitless abundance. Which means that if we remain connected to the source, which is really God, and so I realize whenever I come on the show, I don't profess my faith, but what, what great platform it will be to use your platform to, to profess that before we go into the technicalities. He says, then as he was partaking of the father's blessings, there was limitless abundance, but he wanted ownership. Then later he came to himself and said, I will arise and I will go to my father. For I am not worthy. Watch. His father embraced him and spoke not of the past. Which meant that for all the things that have happened to us all these years, the torments, the business up and down, that was as if you focus on God, look, the past is gone. 
and we begin anew because God has not hold us to our sins. Now, Jeremiah 6 verse 16 says, to stand and to watch and to ask of the ancient path, and when you find it, walk therein, to follow them who through faith and patience are obtaining. What it means in this scripture is that in this time, this is the time for you to look up to proper mentors. People who are consistently evolving. I'll share with you practical things about who and who have done so within our local ecosystem. In conclusion, it says that the anointing flows from our scars. The scars is the opening that allows the anointing to flow. Run away from people without scars. God helps us go through things we'll be saving others from. That is where our compassion comes from. If we don't feel the pain of others, how do we tell others what to do? So no matter what level you are, there's still a higher dimension. So look at what you're going through today as fees that you are paying into your school of wisdom to build yourself up for the renaissance ahead. And we'll take it from there. So just an admonition for you. What we are here to talk about today is how you can stay afloat. And I'll provide a context. As we speak right now, the pandemic has led to demand shocks. What it means is that there's been a sudden event that, you know, people may not buy, may buy, may hoard, and so on. So what it means, people are not spending, do you see people buying like stuff now? Yeah, no. People are not buying these luxury things and so on, as they should, because now you have decreased consumer uh, spending on clothing, recreation, entertainment, travel, and you can also realize that because of the wide restrictions on travel and movement, purchase and import cycles have also been affected. There's been an increased global uncertainty Businesses are temporarily closing. Some are trying to get back on. There have been a realignment of budgets towards healthcare spending by government. Revision of targets by many businesses. Q2 has been revised substantially in the targets. There's been loss of income by certain employee classes. There's also been a revision of global economic targets. Even the GDP growth of Ghana has been revised. There's been a disruption in global trade markets and investments. What does this mean? It means that Businesses who had no contingency plans like banks and so on and so forth are forced to now figure out what next. Businesses that are direct contact business, what it means is that they are brick and mortar because largely this is how Africa, African businesses are, are facing dwindling revenues at this point. Yet they must meet employee obligations. So what you are seeing right now is companies who do some sort of a fair loss system. I'll explain that in a bit. Companies are experiencing increased weight of overheads. Although this has been reduced, they've been affected by various revenue gaps. There's been disruption in credit cycles. There's been disruption in funding cycles. People who are trying to raise money cannot raise. Even those that are pursuing debt recoveries cannot recover. There's been a disruption in inventory. What you had as stock before now, because of the closure of borders, you may not be able to replenish. And so what do you do in production? Project timelines have, been, have changed. Construction targets have also changed. Even today, non-essential construction has even stalled. Essential has also stalled because the money is not free-flowing. There have been procurement delays, among others. Yet we say that we have increased mobile penetration, and so people should go digital. The argument has always been that when you tell others to go digital, it must not necessarily be about apps, because we have a fundamental economy that uses Symbian phones and so on. So there must be a USSD debate around that too. I'll go into that a bit. So this widespread lockdown is going to be felt by all classes of businesses. Micro, small, medium enterprises, individuals, and even bigger corporates as well. So what is government doing currently to, 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 to ameliorate these challenges that we have? Governments are re-examining microeconomic stimulus packages to reflect the structure of the African economy. Even though we have you know, mismatches in ID systems and so on and so forth. 
safety nets and so on have been revised. Governments are offering tax penalty reliefs, extensions, remissions. There's been a revision of base points by government. Interest rate on loan facilities are expected to drop. But guess what? When that happens, there will be an increase in KYC policies. It means that banks will have increased NPLs because most businesses cannot do well within this period. And then what happens? Then you see this at the expense of other sectors as well. Fund managers who hitherto would be happy because of the interconnectedness of our global markets will now be thinking, where do I place funds? Do I focus on my existing investments? What do I do? I'm building a point for you to understand where we are. So really, the impact will be felt by many of these businesses. Let me define these businesses for you. So we're going to look at this conversation from the micro business, household enterprise, you, your family, father, sister, father, uh, cousin kind of business. Then the small business that employs maybe 10, 15, then you have the medium-sized companies as well. What most of these businesses are facing right now is what you call the liquidity crisis. Where do I get money from? Where do I get working capital from? I can't import goods. I don't have money. The increased prices. So I'll give an example. There's a client of mine who has a turnover of 4 million. He's been buying goods from a certain factory in Ghana. Now this factory then decides in COVID to increase prices. And so that's his raw material base. What does he do? Now he's thinking, I need to import because when I import, it saves me 50,000 on just one line of import. So look at what suppliers are doing. I'll tell you what to do about that in a bit. There are companies that have what we call a cash or burn rate of up to three months, which means that after three months, where will money come from? What do we do? So this is what some companies are doing now. They're saying, they're having meetings with staff and saying, look, instead of paying you 100%, I'll pay you 30% for now. When the, when the situation increases in the next month, I'll pay you 50%, and then they graduate the pay to conserve money because really this conversation to be had. Do we lose the company or we all take the necessary risk to run? There are companies that already have some committed funds that may also be called back. What do you do among others? So in the definition of this micro class, we've got to look at how this affects that micro class. In fact, this micro businesses, the informal sector, has the highest share of employment. But really, what do they do when they can't import from China? Wholesale chains affected. Retail chains affected. Barbers affected. What does the barber do? There are some that have said that, look, barbers, cosmetologists may now begin to look at booking models in advanced bookings to be able to observe what you call the social, uh, social distancing models. There's what we call the consumer panic that's happening right now, which then leads to demand shocks of what should I buy? What shouldn't I buy? So companies are thinking, should I diversify my product? Because if you take X type of products, maybe two products, X contributes 2% to revenue. Y contributes about 40% to revenue. Do I still continue to produce the 2% or focus on the other? Companies are thinking, what do they do at this point? Should they change product and seize opportunity? That's why when government says they are launching a fund, what we are saying is because these people are very micro, collaborate with the non-banking financial institutions and provide them support to lower the KYC requirements for the market to want to attract capital. Because really, there's a general liquidity crisis for these small businesses that must be done. What we're advocating for is suspend market tolls to micro-businesses at this point. Because really, how much are they making for you to charge them tolls at this point? Suspend levies to them. Rather, begin to educate them on upscaling, rescaling, provide business volume services, and really, if these micro-businesses are listening, they can depend on cousins, uncles, for what you call payroll loans. So if your uncle is on a payroll and is earning some money elsewhere, can he then loan some money to you? 
at, at that very micro base, because if you go to the banks and stuff, it may be a long process for you. Then there's a question for that guy who is producing today for tomorrow and thinking, what do I do? I'll give an example. You know the school boxes that we produce and people take to senior high school? The capital is asking himself, should I produce that now and wait? When government announces, you know, people should go back to school, then I, 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 I supply. Or do I keep the cash to myself and use that and invest in other products so that I can at least increase my capital base and be ready to produce when the demand comes? Do you make short-term decisions for long-term or you sacrifice short-term for long-term? People are thinking. But let me lay a foundation for you. It will surprise you to know that between 2002 and 2004, Alibaba had its greatest takeoff. And at that time was when the SaaS and Co. had taken off. Because of these challenges in movement, Alibaba had an opportunity. In Ghana, I will refer you to a report by John Sutton. It's called the Enterprise Map of Ghana. It gives a pictorial view between the 1960s, 1980s, when there was a recession, post-recovery, and what happened to the likes of the Asuma Bandes and so on and so forth in different sectors like aluminium, you had the cocoa processing, and so on and so forth. I encourage you to read it and understand what happened. Then you can learn what is resilience in the African context. So today, we are seeing sectors that are more visible to be food, entertainment, education, health, sports, and fitness. So during the lockdown, you realize that more people were streaming online, more people were watching videos, consuming video content, and governments began to look at supported local production because in the future, and this is what government must look at critically, how do we improve our economic base to be able to produce at least 50% of our consumption here instead of depending on global supply chains which are disrupted at this point. So it's important to look at that. It's important to know that the value for money just shot up even more, which means that going forward to get money from your bank, etc., individuals may be troubling. Do you know why? Because the one you were depending on also has dependents. He was also on lockdown, may have used the cash. So what do we do? So you must be competitive if you're seeking to raise capital. So note this, three areas of change how to get the money, what you need the money for, if you have the know-how, and which people you will need to deliver that value. So today, MBSSI is offering complementary financing. That is what we are asking them to do, really, in essence. That use the kitty you have, 600 million, and partner with banks to be able to match the funding for majority of people to have access to the fund. Otherwise, we'll be in trouble. It is important to note that not all businesses will survive. I'm sorry I have to say this. Not all businesses will so If you don't take the measures I'm going to outline now, we'll be in trouble. And so you have, you have to look at some transformation in the way you think. So number one, the companies that are looking at what you call asset optimization and short flow optimization. So you create a perception that you're observing social distancing and then you help others trust your brand that you at least care enough for them to come and trade with you. I'll give an example. I went to a pharmacy and I washed my hand at that pharmacy, and there was someone who opened the door for me, so I had limited interaction with the door, so that if any other person had come in and was even infected, I know that maybe it limits my risk. When I walked in, they checked my temperature, just as you did at Joy FM as well. And then, even on the shelves, there was someone there to pick. So the mode of contraction may be from the supplier's point, but really from a containment point, you can easily trace and so on and so forth. So build a brand perception that shows that you care about customers at this point. 
I'm sure you are wondering, oh, should I go to the bank and so on and so forth? Look, because of what is happening, there's going to be rising non-performing loans. Because the rates have been cut, because government has reduced the gun reference rate, the basis point has gone down, and so you see that banks also lower their rates, it affects their revenue. So banks will have what we call revenue compression, which is that the remittances that we're expecting may drop, the cross-border transactions will drop, it means lower net margins for banks. Drop in payment revenue, profit before tax will drop. What does a bank do? What the bank can do is to determine if we will shift our convention from just having relationship managers to now offer personal, personalized business development to our clients. If your clients fail as a bank, you will fail. So what do we do? Like I said, fund managers are also wondering where do they place funds? Should we place funds? In fact, the forecasts look like fund managers would rather conserve on the fund an existing portfolio than give out more money. Are you thinking what I'm thinking right now? So, let's break this down into three categories. We'll do those who are starting existing companies and those who are in the mid-stage. Are you ready? Okay. So, for who you, those of you who are thinking, this is a good time to start a business, what should you do? I'm going to mention a number of things. Take a pen and paper and jot them down. Number one, start with what we call the problem tree. It's not enough to say that I have passion. And so I want to start a business because now it's a good time and so on. Please, 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 please take your time. This disruption has shown that if you don't carefully consider a value chain, your raw material base may be cut off. Your inventory may run out or your stock may run out. You may not manage it well, and the application of it to rise will result in corresponding increases in, in cost that you may have to pass on to consumers. So what do you do? Problem tree says, whatever you want to start as a business, frame it in the form of a question. Identify what the immediate cost is. Then determine what the root cost is. You realize that for the root cause, there may be things that you cannot solve, but on a macro level. But for the immediate costs, you have about 10, 20 ideas that you have mapped out on their own. So if there's an immediate cost, there's a root cost to that immediate cost. What caused the immediate cost? Out of that, you will determine what you have to do. I'll give you an example. In agricultural forecasting, you consider a plate that is consumed at home or food. And you wonder what key ingredients are form the most part of it. So you may think, oh, maybe I want to do pepper. Maybe I want to do cassava. Maybe I want to do this. But when you do the core assumptions, you realize that cassava is a low-priced commodity. What do you do? So you are rushed into cassava thinking, oh, it's easier, low capital risk, and so on and so forth, but it's low-priced. You don't have the volumes. What do you do? So value chain analysis is important when you use the problem tree. Now the question is, who am I serving? So you must do a stakeholder analysis. The stakeholder analysis is key for you to grow. Here, Consider who is the primary consumer, the secondary consumer, but use what you call the decision-making unit to analyze it. The decision-making unit outlines the individuals you interact with in a purchase to final closure decision. Even the procurement officer in a, in a bank or at Cocoa Board is factored in in the decision-making unit for you to understand what do I do to engage and close this deal. Remember, assess the stakeholder from Product development. So, what is the staying potential of this product? What is the staying potential of this client? What is the earning potential of this client? What is the earning potential of this product? 
Then look at this one. What is the purchasing power of this client? What will the purchasing power of this client be in the next two, four, five months? Now, remember that what used to be a benefit to a consumer may have changed within this period. So, for example, if a, if a, if a product to a consumer was functional, which is like an airplane seat, so he wanted size, that is functional. He was not moved by price, which is economic. Nor was he moved by emotional, which is Emirates or South African Airlines. So at this point, you've got to reclassify your mind in what you're offering to consumers and what type of benefit it is. So focus more on value-added benefits. Add something to what you are selling. Entice the consumer. Be in the consumer's mind. Think like the consumer. Put yourself in the consumer's shoes. How much may he have? What will he likely be spending on? What is he spending on now? And determine what you have to do. Then you have the log frame, which should help you determine what is my baseline, what should I look like, what is my impact, and what should I look like in terms of risk among others as you go along. I don't want to get technical. Otherwise, you look at the, the goal, the output, the outcome, the activities, you do a baseline, means of verifying, and that corresponding assumptions. One of the things you need to look at very well is your OPEX and CAPEX table and the assumptions that go into it. Even your revenue model. Peak times, when would they buy, what would they buy, and use what you call the balance scorecard sheet to map out your target structure. I hope you are writing them down. Invest in the assumptions for your business. For existing companies, what do you do? Are you ready? Point one. We've we've dealt with those who are now starting. We are going to those who have started in 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 our operating. Companies must endeavor to put their staff on a strict skills development program that improves efficiency and productivity. Do you know why? You've been complaining that this guy is not pulling his weight. We don't have the right team, staff. You had a a break. In fact, demand is not as, as huge as it was. So what benefit does it do for you or the firm if you put that staff on a training program and have someone monitor them for it? Think about it. This can affect your bottom line, even acquisition, because now you have to be a top sales firm to close deals. Because we are all competing for money at this point. Remember, strict compliance and monitoring will help you realize the benefits from the employee, but be empathetic too, because everyone has issues at this time. Point two, consolidate on your financial reports at this point and help yourself. Fundraising proposals, strategic plans, business value approaches, re-examine your products or services that contribute least to revenue and take a firm decision to either let go or redesign. Create an increased engagement schedule for all staff business units on what we call the business resumption strategy. What do we do? I'll show you what to do around that in a bit. Increase engagement with board and management members to evaluate performance and strategy. So Q1, you have some management report if you don't have audited accounts. Assess it with your board. This is the best time to have board members because before this time, everyone was busy. Now you have time for them. Let's quicken the pace a bit. If you are listening to us, I'm sure you have a pen and a paper. Let's keep going a bit faster. So other steps to take. To achieve optimum growth, commensurate with your projected goals, you must restructure and start. Simple. You must revise your company goals. Simple. Along these lines. Pursue reduction in production and customer acquisition costs. You must create a better understanding of your customer segments. Determine what you do around product development. 
evaluate your operational expenditure to elicit cost savings, review your marketing and customer targeting plan, pursue digitization, but combine traditional innovative models. If you want to do up, you do USSD as well. Review inventory management and sourcing. Consolidate. Improve workflow processes. And then, remember, cost rationalization can help you. We mentioned this the last time I was here. What should you focus on? Get a pen and paper. I'm going to give you about 27 points and then we'll be done. Number one, business continuity plan. That plan allows you to assess threats in business units, create impact scenarios, create a strategy, design a solution, focus on execution, draw out your targets, focus on customer and your brand, and pursue social distancing models. Banks and other big firms will have it. How about you, the small firm who is listening? If you're wondering how this affects you, you are there asking yourself, what do I do? This is the time to engage a business development officer because you don't know it all. If I knew it all, look, then, then imagine the power that I... No, no, no. Knowledge, no one man is a repository of all knowledge. No matter what you think you know, listening to us, I want you to, when we are done on this show, play it back and listen to the things we are saying and redo it again. Number two, focus on liquidity and working capital. Where do I raise money from? How do I get it? How do I get working? Like I mentioned, the example of my client who was used to importing from, buying from this company here, Indian company here. Now, the Indian company says, I won't even give you credit. I've increased my, my cost of the goods. What happens to his bottom line, his margins? His supply line is affected supply right there, isn't is it? Right I tell you what, John, this is really super exciting, but I want us to get interactive so that our listeners can also good. be a part of it. So we're just going to be opening the phone lines very shortly, but I've good. got some good news for us. If you own any motor vehicle of any kind, here's some great news for you. Goyle's new super synthetic 5W20 and 5W30 loops are the best engine oils for your vehicle. They are specially engineered engine oils which efficiently work on all your modern petrol and diesel engines. They clean, they protect, they reduce fuel consumption, and they prolong oil change intervals as well as enhance your vehicle performance right from when you start up till when you switch off. So go to any Gulf filling station today and grab the new Gulf Super Synthetic 5W20 and 5W30 engine oils for superior vehicle performance. Goil, they say good energy. Goil, yenara, yedia. So I'm going straight to the phone lines. Numbers to call 0302-216-541. That's 0302-216-541. You can also send us a comment. Run on, through yes. these quickly. Okay. So that the callers can. While we wait for our first phone yes. call. Yes. So While we wait for our first phone call. So, so please go ahead. Liquidity and working capital. Assess impairments and negotiate on your credit terms, those you owe, and so on and so forth. Ask for extensions. Diversify products. Some of you who are doing small business, tabletop, maybe now is the time to sell face masks and so on and so forth. Right? Evaluate inventory lines and supply risk, failure, and create alternatives to people you are buying from, lest they disappoint you at this point. Right? Now, prediction and potential losses and strategize. Figure out as a business, what are we likely to lose? How do we strategize? Assess demand volatility. Pivot to new products. Goods that are most pressing. Determine credit lines that you want. Examine if you can have payroll loans. Freeze capital expenditure. Have the federal system where you still engage people, graduate their pay for them, and so that you can keep your company. Find opportunity within crisis. Care and minimize risk of infection. Tap into stimulus packages. Postpone maintenance and other critical or non-critical expenditure if you must, even maintenance. Dialogue with debt firms. Restructure debt. 
Look at financing models like invoices, counting, convertible, revenue-based financing. Look at opportunities in seed production models in the value chain. Examine implications of taxes on your businesses. Look at operational efficiency as a business. Determine whether or not you want to be a top sales firm and what that does to you. Determine if you are pursuing opportunities. Will you be an enabler, facilitator, or what will you be? Now, let me ask you these questions. And this will set the tone for you before wherever you are, listen to us. If you are thinking customers, note these questions. How are your customers going to be affected? Have their needs changed? How can you adapt to the new needs? Will your customers be the same? Can you broaden or diversify your customer segments? How can you lower the entry barriers for new customers? In your value proposition, think of, do you still have a product that is a market fit? How can you adapt your value proposition to the change customer needs? Do you have to change your value proposition? How do you keep customers? Ask yourself, how effective are my current communication tools to stay in touch with customers? How does my company represent itself in crisis? How do you reach these customers? Ask yourself, are my distributor channels endangered in the future? Am I able to sell remotely? Can I adapt to new channels? In your key activities, ask yourself, how have my activities had to change to fulfill new customer needs? How can I adapt? How much time do I need? Key partners, how will key stakeholders be affected in the near future? Which new partners can you strategically collaborate with in this crisis? In the key resources, ask yourself, what key resources do I need in this crisis? With which key resources would you start your company with today? In your cost structure, ask yourself, don't ask yourself, what do I need to cut as cost? Ask yourself, what do I really need to do? Ask yourself, can I perform a financial stress test and create what-if scenarios? Ask yourself, can I extend my run rate? Is it possible to achieve break-even even in these times? Which projects can be cut due to low priority? Which support can you get from government? Then in revenue, ask yourself, are current orders at risk? Are your customers willing to pay the same prices in this crisis? Do you have to adapt your business model? And can you switch to more flexible and performance-based payment? Over to you, Yao. Right. A lot of information there. <laughs> a lot of information there. But definitely what's going to happen is that we're going to have to be able to post um, that. I will post this on my channel, uh, on my f- Facebook page. And it's also going to be posted, it's streaming live actually on the Joy FM page right now. So for those of you who are, who are sending messages, you are unable to write. And that's because we're trying to get a lot of information through as much as possible. But by all means, you can play back the video in your own time and be able to. But we've still got a few minutes on the show. You can give us a call, 0302 Five four one. That's zero three zero two two one six five four one. You can also send us a comment on zero two four four three four zero four three seven. John, I've got a question for you. Right. We're looking at um, one direction, which is the major direction where right. a lot of businesses are thinking, "What do I do?" And right. clearly, that's the conversation for today. Right. But you may also have some individual businessmen, right. or should I say, some corporates who have some heirlooms, some inheritance. Right. They are. They've got burn rate. Right. For the next two years, right. they've got liquidity now. Very briefly, in about thirty seconds, right. what do they do with this liquidity? Should they hold the investment in currency? Right. What about exchange rate depreciation? Right. Should they hold it in real estate? Right. What, where in industry should they hold their liquidity? You see, in this time, inflationary risk, economic risk, and so on are theoretical. What you need to look at is that what happened in the case of even Warren Buffett. If you buy distressed companies at this time. Your level of appreciation in ROI may be more, even in ROE, in the next one year to two years. So this is a good time for any investor. So today in the morning, I was with about two investors trying to figure out which company we, we go into and whatnot. Mm. And this is a good time for you to consider which companies are likely to, to, to are, are shielded 
from these economic areas, who, who have a raw material base that is present locally, you can control inputs, but you can also leverage skills, equity, advice, and so on and so forth to help them scale. So I'll give you an example. This company that I'm working with has, for, has a printing line for mm. packaging. Mm. My startup needs packaging. Guess what? I don't need to do a money actual chain. I do a product switch mm-hmm. with this company, mm-hmm. right? Good. Now, my company also needs capital, which is the startup that I've invested in. Right. So what do I do? This investor also says, instead of giving you capital cash, now I can give you, I, I have covered your product, I can give you money to also start operating. These are things that we've got to look at at this point. Right. I think I've got a caller on the line. Let me see if I can slip this one through. Good afternoon. You're welcome to Masterclass. Um, hi. Good afternoon. Uh, your name, where are uh, you calling from? My name is Mohammed. I'm from Newtown. Thank you, Mohammed. Talk to me. All right. Thanks so much for this um, insightful discussion. And I think he nailed it rightly that um, in the times of crisis, these are the best time for one to take an investment um, decision. Right. Um, my, I'll just cue a bit to what we teach um, in our academic institutions. Mm. I mean, it shouldn't be about writing exams, passing getting people scared of um, making mistakes. Mm. We need such practicalities of people who understand business and industry right. to be teaching in our business classes. Right. I mean, basically, that's what I will Thank you say. so much. You thumbs up again for, for this um, interest. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was Mohammed sharing some thoughts there. Um, we find the points you have shared here relevant today. But like I said, for those of us who are listening who have been unable to write or make notes, don't worry. The video will be posted again after the show on our Joy FM page and also on my personal page, Yabanafo, on Facebook. I could slip one more call through, 0302216541. If you could just pick up that phone, give us a call. We'd like to hear your thoughts. Like I said, it's a broad conversation. We're going to come back next week and continue. What do you do as a business or what have you done? What's your experience? What are you doing currently? to help you stay afloat. Like, you know, and there's a very important point that John made. Most companies have a burn rate. And when we talk about burn rates, your cover. Without revenue coming in, how long can you survive for? And you find that even corporates are buckling. Revenue hasn't come in as it's supposed to. People are coming in 30%, 40% of revenue. That is, that is heavy because some, for some of these companies, the overhead are up to 20%, 25%. So if revenues are not coming in, Things are going to go south. What do you do to stay afloat? I've got one more question for you um, if I don't get a call coming through. Right. And this is the question. Right. You talked about product um, innovation. Right. And essentially, not just product. Okay, so product innovation because depending on what you're offering as a product, right. how strongly does that become a viable option for any business today? Right. And I want you to rehash it and, and round up our right. conversation today right. because people need to understand Two ways to make profit. Right. Increase revenue, right. reduce cost. Right. But it's a third way. Right. Product innovation. Right. Right. How does that become a viable alternative? So at this point, it's a question of leadership. <clears throat> if you're a CEO, you're a manager mm-hmm. of a small business, then you may want to take a hard decision. If you have two products and one product is bringing you less revenue and the other may pivot. Mm. For, those of, for, for people who have products that have not been doing so well at all, this is a time to ask yourself if I'm ready for the next step and take the drastic decision to just cancel it out and move on to the next phase of your life. Mm. There are those that may look at... So, I like what Casapreco did in times of crisis. They switched to production of, uh, what do you call it, um, um, sanitizer. Mm. What did uh, uh, Kempinski do? Provided their place for X. And then, uh, uh, Indum's Hotel, what's, what's the name? Coconut Grew started doing... Uh, uh, um, running their kitchen to serve others. Yeah. So think product innovation as 
what do I do with my current capacity to mm-hmm. iterate right. and offer products as part of one line of a business unit mm-hmm. to bring in revenue? Or do I modify existing products completely? Or do I shut down and restart? Product innovation is one of the things to look at. This has been Masterclass of the Superstation. Beautiful conversation. We are back on your radio same time next week as we continue the conversation. What do you do as a business person in these times of COVID? Thank you so much for listening. My name is Yabana. For Up Next is a new start to see you same time next week. News are two coming up. Supreme Court rules that Martin Amidu is eligible to hold office as special prosecutor. Also, father who allegedly wounded his three year old son for bedwetting remanded. And the U.S. Embassy in Tanzania warns there is a risk of exponential growth of COVID 19 cases in the country as the government fails to release data. Details with me, Komla Adum. And former Deputy Attorney General Dominic Kayine says a ruling of a Supreme Court that Martin Amidu is eligible to hold office despite his age will deny young people the opportunity to serve in public office. The decision read by Chief Justice Enini Abua means the retirement age for employees of a public service does not apply to the office of a special prosecutor. Dr. Ayine went to the court because Mr. Amidu was 66 years old at the time of the